Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where I interview a debut author about their reading and writing history, what inspires them, their debut book from Genesis to editing it, and from querying agents to finally selling it. If you like what you hear here, check us out on daybeautiful.net and follow us on social media at daybeautiful. Today's guest has had her writing appear in the Caribbean writer Prism International, Prairie Schooner, Epiphany, and elsewhere. She is a McDowell Fellow, a Journey Prize winner, and holds a Master of Arts from the University of New Brunswick and an MFA from the Iowa Writers' Workshop. She was born in Jamaica and is now a Canadian citizen who lives and writes in New York City. Her debut novel, Bratopsy, is out now. Please welcome Christina Cook. Hey, Christina, I just read your official bio, but I'm curious, what is your unofficial bio? Who is Christina? Yeah, so my name is Christina Cook. Um, I have an um, unhealthy obsession with peanut butter, um, as well as grapes. Um, and I hate anything related to okra and winter. So my unofficial bio is that I am a summer baby, though I was not born in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love anything warm, spicy and involving hugs. Oh, I love it. Peanut butter and grapes at the same time or no? No, no. Okay, I, just I, sure. I, as I said it, I was like, that <laughs> makes me sound psychopathic. Uh, no. no, in eaten in separate yes. occasions. I but, dig it. Uh, I dig it. I... To me, those are like, they're fully their own food. <laughs> yes. And they have sustained sus- sustained me in this uh, crazy pre-pub time. Yeah, the pub time, pre-pub is wild. That's when I talk to all the day beautiful guests. Um, And yeah, I guess I'll just ask, how are you feeling? Is it crazy? Are you calm? Oh, uh, would you like me to lie? I could lie and say I've been so calm and I've just been the most, you know, just grandiose and just been the most kind of, you know, level-headed about this process. But no, I'm freaking insane. Um, And I think part of it, a huge part of it really, is that this is the culmination of like, I think 13 years. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. I am notoriously bad at math. You can you know, post edit that into into my bio. I do only words. Do not trust me with yes. numbers ever. I will get it wrong. Um, because I've been working on this book since my first mass masters. So that was 2011 that I started. Wow. And then it's been like a three to four year process to actually steward it into the world. Um, because I sold this book or my agent rather, Monika sold this book two years two years ago wow but my editor was just like I love this book so much and I understand that um our publishing schedule is full but I just please just hang in there with me yes I I I want to see this book in the world but it's gonna take longer than probably you were expecting yeah I will dive into that because that actually fascinates me and especially like the crew you've worked with Monica at Triangle House uh Mm -hmm. publishing on Catapult I will talk all about that but I'd love to hear what the book is from your perspective that's my favorite part cut through the publicity copy what's Christina say about her book uh it's essentially a queer family saga um about the ways that migration can kind of cause these familial rifts 
um, and how do we kind of reconcile or heal around to that? Um, it's also a very funny book. Uh, mm. I'd like to think so. And it's also a book that by the time you're done reading, you're going to be so hungry. Um, <laughs> I love to eat. It's one mm -hmm. of the kind of ways that I experience the world, one of the primary ways that I experienced the world. And that definitely comes through in the text. So a lot of queerness, a lot of food, a lot of humor, and hopefully a lot of love. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciated the book. Um, mostly because I I wasn't estranged from my sister, but like, you know, family grows apart. She's four school years older than me. So mm -hmm. we, we're never in high school together. We're never in college together. Mm -hmm. But at some point during our 20s, we became roommates for three or four years and like reconnected. And oh, we have nice. a complicated relationship, a funny relationship. And uh, yeah. so I always love siblings in stories. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned you're bad at timelines, but I'm going to ask a lot about it. 2011, that's a while ago. It's a whole different lifetime ago, it feels like. Yeah, that was a whole different old lifetime. Like I was in my 20s, you know, life felt so full of hope. I was so much more energetic then. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was just, it was a different time also for the world, you know, yeah. like the world has changed so much since, since then. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I really credit so much of the kind of like visceral aspects of this book to the fact that I started it when I was so young, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of, you know, this book is not based on my life, yeah. but it does draw inspiration from, from a lot of the emotional realities of my yeah. life. And so, you know, I was in that period where you're just starting to like process all your childhood trauma um which is always a great a great time 10 yes. out of 10 we should yes. we should all do it <laughs> um and so I was kind of really kind of like in the throes of working through all of those layers and in like a bodily felt way and I yeah. think you see that reflected in some of those kind of more tactile passages in yes. the text and so I really credit that process with how just urgent and immediate and rich and immersive the language is and then I credit me entering my 30s with having the kind of perspective to be able to string it together into story yeah so as like frustrating as it was in the moment of, of it just it took so long for this project to come together yeah. I don't think it could have you know become the kind of, you know, kind of like beautiful artifact that it is now any faster than it did. For sure. When you started it way back when in your 20s, were you wanting to explore like your emotional truths, the things that happened to you? Or did you think of the characters first? Like how did it kind of all unfold way back then? Yeah, it was a it was a mix of both. You know, I'm a very character driven writer. You mm -hmm. know, I care about people in my writing life and in my personal life. That is the thing that grounds and connects me to the world. Um, uh, and so I was very interested in this character that I had created, but then somewhere along the way, as what often happens with writers, right? She became a kind of cipher for 
um me kind of working through a lot of like emotional real realities from my own life mm-hmm. um because by the time I was 18 I'd lived in um four different countries and five different cities oh wow you know um which has definitely given me a much more nuanced and kind of multi-layered and like holistic perspective on the world but it also creates a lot of like bifur- bifurcation yeah. right um and creates a lot of like i don't easily fit anywhere mm-hmm. you know what i mean because i'm not just one thing yeah um and so in my 20s was when i was really trying to kind of like okay what are the through lines here what ties everything together um and then it was one of those um as i was going along of just being like by giving it to her it made her richer and it made me lighter Mm -hmm. um so it was kind of like this beautiful symbiotic relationship yeah did you yeah i like to talk about place a lot with writers um do you feel like one country one city is more you and maybe not like who you've become but like what you draw like inspirationally do you draw upon Mm -hmm. one city more than anything or no yeah, I think the one city that I, Christina, the person, mm-hmm. draw upon the most is a city that makes no appearance in this book at all, which mm-hmm. is New York City. Mm-hmm. Because this is such a city of just intersecting lines, you know, people from yeah. so many disparate places all pulled together and we all got to deal with this friggin' A train that's late, you know? <laughs> um, so we all, just so many... um overlapping and intersecting realities that somehow through force or necessity or obligation, but also by choice, find ways to coexist and also not just coexist, but kind of create something entirely different and is entirely distinctive and and is entirely here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I draw quite a lot from that milieu um, while also recognizing that like my roots, you know, the 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 soil from 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 which the bud first sprouted is Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so. like growing up on Jamaica and Jamaica um was reading and writing a big part of your life. Um, massive, massive. I saw my mother yesterday and we um uh un- un- unboxed my finals. Together. Yes, I, I want to talk about the video you yeah, post. But yeah, talk sure. about this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um and my parents are both engineers. My eldest sister is also an an, an engineer and my middle sister, um the last of three, and my middle sister was a chemist. Um, and then me being like, I want to write a story. Yeah. Uh, but then I actually told my mother, I was like, you do realize that this is all your fault, right? <laughs> she was like, what? And she was, and, that, and, that, and that's because in the summer, right, she's working full time and she has these three, because we're all loud and rambunctious and opinionated and intense. I mean, I'll just go ahead and claim it. That is, you can add that to my bio as uh-huh. well. Um, and she was just like, I, you need to all go away. How do I keep you all busy? And so only thing she would do is that she would sit us each down. Um, you know, my one sister was in her bedroom. The other sister was in the TV room. I was in the living room. 
with stacks and stacks and stacks of books. And the task to us was to read as many of those books as we possibly could throughout the summer. And then at the end of each day, she would talk to us about what we read. Mm. And it's through that process, right? Where she thought she was just keeping us quiet and busy. But actually, that's how I discovered my kind of love of reading and love of literature and love of story and of people, you know, because I I always gravitated. I wasn't really big on the books, like the dragons and there was this intricate plot. And I was just like, that probably going to make a great movie. Where's the story about like the super complicated person and like working through that's always what I've been drawn towards. Um, And that's, that's really how that all started. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of my favorite, like, um, I guess compliments, I don't know how to describe it, but I love recommending a book to someone and people, and I, I didn't write it, obviously I'm just recommending books. And then the friend is like, I loved it, but I hated the main character. I was like, yeah, people are complicated. It's okay yeah. to not love certain people, certain characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was an early character that you fell in love with that like was complex and complicated? Yeah. Those are the same words, but yeah. Yeah. So I can kind of talk through, and I also have a thought that I want to add about yeah. like main characters that you hate yeah well, talk well, about that talk about that first then we'll loop back to yeah. my question so as actually so my my wife is also a writer and we, and we talk about this all the time is that like how did we end up in this space where um you're supposed to always love and empathize with and be rooting for the main character because that's not true mm-hmm. you know like the the one of the purposes of literature is to, of course, entertain, explore, exfoliate, but it's to also reflect. And I don't know if this will be a shock to your readers, but the thing is, of the 8 billion of us, many of us suck. Like, many, many of us are not wonderful, beautiful, virtuous yeah. people, you know, deserving of our un- unending sympathy and love, but, we're, but we are still deserving off the respect of being a person, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so those are actually some of the novels that I love the most are ones where I just wanted to drop kick the main character in the head. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you like this? And the answer is you're like this because you're a person and you have a right to be, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I just wanted to like, just say, you know, it's okay if you don't love the main character, like the person writing the book probably hates them too. Right. And that's part of the, that's part of what they wanted the reading experience to be is for you to grapple with that. Right. And to understand that being accepted as a person is not conditional. It is not conditional upon being being liked by a critical mass of people. It is condition. It its only condition is being born. That's it. Yeah, that's it. No, that was um, beautiful. Yeah, I, I. It's it's so frustrating when I see reviews or, I think it happens more on like Bookstagram where like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, a pretty photo of the book and it's like blah blah blah, and then it's like the whole thing is about I hated the character, I couldn't get into it. What was yeah. the author thinking? I was like, well, then you didn't think about the book. Yeah. You didn't think about the writing then, you know? Yeah, you didn't fully like consider. Like to me, I always read those rev- reviews as like, this isn't really a review. This is your opinion, which like yes. all reviews are, but this is really your opinion because <laughs> you are you are not 
taking the book on its own terms. Yes. And its terms are, this main character sucks. Mm -hmm. Stick around anyway, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of our culture, American culture, it's like, Mm -hmm. if it's a white man, people can accept that they're supposed to be hated. Yeah. They're supposed to be complex. But if it's a black person, a queer person, an immigrant, a a white woman, even a white woman, even yes, they can't. Like if a white woman is bad, then like oh, then they're a bitch. Exactly. Exactly. What characters that you were referencing that you you dug into early Mm -hmm. that you were like, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, this is it. Yeah. So I actually had a very interesting um, uh, trajectory with the, the the I'd call it the three main characters of the book which are Bryson, the younger brother, Akua, the middle sister, and Tamika, the eldest sister. Because Bryson, I just, I I identified with and I loved and I just adored from the beginning. So much so that I was like, I have to kill you. You know, you are just, you you are so much my darling that I, I must get rid of you because if you, if I keep you as a person on the page, you aren't going to be a person, you're going to be a virtue, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You're going to be like a repository for my adoration instead of being like this complicated being that I'm going to grapple with. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, there was Tamika, who I hated, like deeply, deeply hated. And she was the character that it took the longest time for me to develop because in my 20-year-old brain, I didn't realize that I was doing this, but she also became a virtue, right? She became a repository of all the things that were negative, bad, you know, off color, Mm -hmm. you know, things that were beyond the pale, so that it just meant that she was flat, right? She was just like a capital V villain, mm-hmm. but not in a fun way and not even in a Disney way, but in a like, this is a really bad draft way. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the book doesn't work without her, right? Like if she yeah. doesn't have the presence and the humanity that she deserves, this is a polemic. It's not a story. Right. She is the necessary counterpart to Akua that becomes the central engine that moves the story through. And so I found that a lot of what I of of this process was um, trying to kind of like humanize the two poles of the story. And and then and then once I did that, then it became much easier to see how they kind of acted upon Akua in the center. Mm-hmm. And then that that is when the story started to really come together. You know, people who have read, you know, advanced copies have been like, oh, Akua must have been your favorite. Um, She was all right. <laughs> you know, I didn't like yeah. her or dislike her, which is what made it possible for me to inhabit her because mm-hmm. I didn't go to her with my kind of preconceived notions and my judgments and my like and my needs. You know, my only need was that she exists. Yes. Right. Which is what what that is the basis, you know, in order to build a complex character that the only thing you need from them is that they exist. And then you begin to build out from there. And when you were talking about figuring out these characters, uh, I mean, so 2011 is 12 years ago. 
so the book sold a while ago when it was relatively quote unquote done. We'll get there eventually. But then like that 10 years of writing, how much of it was figuring out how to use these characters and how to inhabit them? All of it. The whole All thing. of it yeah. was that. All of it was that. I'd say probably off the 10 years, only two or three was spent on like, what is this? What is, what are, what are the things that happen? And the rest of it was spent on how do I make the things that happen have meaning through these characters? Okay, what? how are these characters relating to each other? And that is when the magic really started to happen is to figure out how can they like, exist as people and then figure out what what are the, like drawing the lines like on the L word, like when they had that big map with like the, the strings tied yeah. to see what are all of the strings here and then folding what happens into all of those intersecting lines. Yeah. But that I think was the bulk of the work of writing this novel. And we'll take a detour just to talk about like your schooling because it was happening simultaneously with writing. So you mentioned at the beginning, your first master's, right? So yeah. you have a master's in arts, uh, from the University of New Brunswick, and then an MFA from the Iowa Writers Workshop. Yes. Why both? What was your journey during your schooling sure. journey? So um, the most basic answer is getting a graduate degree is one of the few ways that I know of that you can write and still eat. Right. Yes. 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 Uh, you know, it's it's a way where you can have the majority of your time is spent on writing, and also you have a place to live <laughs> is yeah. through getting graduate school scholarships, stipes, the stipends, all of mm -hmm. that. Um. So that's my first answer. <laughs> second, second answer for um, uh, for my for my M M A from U N B is that. I needed a place where I could access access the research required in order to create the found the foundation of the novel, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, so it's it's one of those things similar to museums, right? Where uh, if you are you know black, you will see more of the historical artifacts of your country in the U.S. than you will in your own country. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. it's all hidden behind these kind of like ivory towers. The same is true of like cultural and folkloric history and literature. So having that kind of university access is how I was able to really go deep into the archives of Louise Bennett, who in my novel is known by her more colloquial name, um, colloquial name, Miss Lou. Um, and so in my first master's really where when I dug into that kind of cultural and folkloric history of Jamaica um, and how it really shaped the culture of the island and became the bedrock of what we know that nation of today. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is that so many of those resources are behind the kind of paywall, if you will, of university access mm -hmm. and so that was the real benefit to me of my first master's my second is um my mfa from iowa was because a i was starting to write at such a level where i needed more intensive support in order to really like figure out all of these nuanced and intricate questions of how to story like how mm -hmm. do you how mm -hmm. do you do it yeah. what is this thing 
how do you all magically put these things together? What is what is the secret? As well as how do you publish, right? Yeah. You know, there's one of the things that annoys me are people who hide their brushstrokes, who just say that they were struck by genius and this book just, you know, just a just poured out of them and then it just appeared on your bookshelf one day by magic uh no that is not true um publishing your book takes us takes just not just but it it takes a a noticeable amount of kind of like time and attention and like understanding a different type of like relation relationship right um, and a kind of like what I found advocacy, you know, because you have to kind of like advocate for your vision while you're writing. And then you have to advocate for the like, like artifact that you created when you're publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes work. And so I wanted to figure out, well, how do you do that? How do you publish and how do you publish in a way where you are not forsaking the vision that pushed you through the writing process Mm -hmm. and also how do I still pay my rent and write yeah yeah that's that's the unfortunate reality about America you know it's like you can't just create art you can't sculpt you can't paint you can't write without yeah something I think it was um uh Juno Diaz who I have a complicated uh um perspective on um well one of the things that he said because that was quite true is that you know we need to create more spaces for people to do great things slowly and the thing and the thing that's true about you know the current kind of structures that we live within is that there are almost no spaces where you can do great things slowly you know um they're becoming more and more rare and rare and rarefied Mm-hmm. right like there's there's this real stratification of your part of the 0.8 percent that gets into iowa or you're screwed you know yeah. um and i don't think that's good i really yeah. i really don't I, I think that that does a real disservice to the culture yeah um yeah even thinking just about publishing about how many books are on the big four or five or whatever or on indie presses that get distribution through them or indie presses that can pay versus indie presses that can't and authors are just like yeah let's get it out there Mm -hmm. um the gatekeeping in the community um intentional or unintentional is Mm -hmm. a lot of my eyes have been opened in the past you know five years since day beautiful has been out there because mm-hmm. um, I never thought about it as a reader just mm-hmm. the good books got published the good books yeah. got but it's like there are so many good books out there yes anyway I don't um, make it past yeah. past those walls yeah um you mentioned at Iowa you wanted to learn about publishing you want to learn about how to what what were some key takeaways from your time not writing takeaways but like yep. the industry takeaways that you've learned don't let publishing pierce or overwhelm your writing space. Try mm-hmm. to keep those as separate as you possibly can. Um, I had an instructor who kind of described it as you have to kind of like create a self, right? 
mm-hmm. that can kind of go out into the world and can advocate for your book and can be a capital W writer and be this kind of like public thinking individual. Do not confuse that with who you are when you sit down in your apartment, in mm-hmm. your pajamas to write, right? Those are very separate beings that all are rooted from the same place, but try as hard as you can to keep to keep some distinction between those two those two selves. Because uh, one is about art and one is about commerce. Yes. And right? yes, the, the business side of writing or publishing, the business side of publishing is, uh, mm-hmm. is wild. I mean, writing yes. is obviously crazy as well. Yes. How do you keep the two parts of your life, your soul, your brain separate, the business publishing side and the writing artistic side? For sure. Well, one thing I'm, I is like, I talked about how, you know, to keep those two selves, you know, understand that they're, that they're stemming from the same place. And one thing is that I will optimize something for a public audience um, or I may kind of like recalibrate something that I think in my kind of writerly self for a more kind of like publication or like public facing venue. But I try to always say things that I believe in Um, because if not, I think that then that that dichotomy would drive me insane. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who are able to actually do that and I'm not one of those people. Yeah. Um and so the way that I that I keep the two things separate is also that I try to keep them very discreet. So for instance, whenever I sit down to write, I put my phone in do not dis- disturb mode. So I'm yeah. not getting pings about people liking the video I put up asking for pre-orders right like I um that is like that is dedicated time away from the world that's just for me and the art and the page Mm -hmm. similarly um when I am kind of out in the world being you know a capital W writer I kind of like respect and kind of like guard the kind of writerly self you know if if it makes it it, the analogy that I often use is that my kind of public writer self is like the really defensive older sibling to my kind of like much more tender um uh you know in my pajamas in my apartment self um and so I simply try to recognize you know what is fitting for which space and then once I figure that out, I defend it fiercely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that answer. I, I feel like, I think, was it before we were recording? Just like talking about like Day Beautiful, the brands needs to yeah. take social media more seriously. And it's like, I don't want it to be serious. No. Like, But like the business side of things, even though like I don't, Day Beautiful is not a business. I do not take mm-hmm. advertisement. I don't get paid for this. It's just me hanging out with authors. Yeah. But it's like the quote unquote business side of it like sucks. Like, I don't care about that. I just want to talk yeah. to like Christina about her book. That's it. I don't care about anything else. Yeah, um, for sure. 
to get to fast forward into the nitty gritty of things that I love talking about selling it. So uh, Monica Woods is your agent yes. from Triangle House. Um, yeah, I lovely. she is lovely. I met her on Zoom during the pandemic. I moderated an event she like kind of put together. Um, and Triangle House has so many great authors. How, I, if you can talk about like how the relationship was founded, how did she find you? How did you find her? How did you know yeah. it was right? Yeah, for sure. So um, I courted her, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, which is that I'd heard about her through my networks, um, mainly being that I have many friends and mentors who are signed with Ellen Levine. Um, and she was once Ellen's assistant before mm-hmm. striking out um, as her own agent and then later starting her own agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like impressed with um, I might get canceled for this, but I was just impressed by how she was unafraid to sign weird books, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. there is oh, yeah. like, because as I'm sure, you know, from talking about like the industry of publishing, the commerce of it is not doing what capitalism is supposed to do, which is always expand, right? We are in a moment of contraction and everyone's freaking the F out. Mm-hmm. Um, And so people are becoming more and more conservative in the sense of um, being um, nervous about deviating too far from current trends. And Monica just didn't give a fuck um, if if I'm allowed to curse. Of course. She was just like, these are things that I believe in. And I think that we are all being small Hello, Kitty. Sorry, yeah. She finally <laughs> she was behind the camera the entire time. It was time. She was like, "This um, is my moment." Yes, I'm gonna leave that in because Dave Beautiful is casual. Um, yeah, yeah, but she was able to buck the trend, or she yeah, and yeah. also which I she said this before, and I fully agree with is that if we only publish to trends, then we are not being capacious and um um generous in you know in what people are what and in people's interests and their and their and their um uh, abil- abilities and in their thresholds for what they can engage with and withstand and champion mm-hmm. right like we're being patronizing by saying people will only buy what is on on trend and that's yeah. just not true right Mm-hmm. Um, which I fully believe in. And so I kind of got her contact information um through, you know, people that um I know in the business and was just like, Hi, my yeah. name's Christ- Christina. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a book. Um, <laughs> and we just grabbed coffee and talked. And it was just like a very, it felt it was it was one of the first times early on in my kind of like publication career, if you will, that I felt like I was talking to a real person and not talking to a representative of their position, if that yes. makes any sense, you know, like and which not which 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 is not to say that she wasn't aware that like she is an agent and so she's an agent talking with a writer Mm -hmm. but it just it but there was this to go back to my earlier analogy of there being like twin selves right one that is committed to the art and the other that is committed to the industry it was very clear quick very early on in our relationship 
in Monica, I could I could see both, right? One yeah. was not obscuring the other. Both were there, right? Both were grounded from the same place. Um, and that's kind of been the foundation of our relationship ever since. Um, and one of the things that I like is that she'll be very frank with me of just being like, this is very artful, which might make it hard to sell. Mm-hmm. But you best believe I'm going to, I'm not going to give up trying. How, yeah. And how was the selling process that we know, like once it was sold, it took a while to publish because how did the selling process? So the selling process, and now I'm going to kind of go further back in history. Yes. Further back than Monica is I had an agent before her um, who is lovely, um, a very lovely human. um, And we had a great relationship. Um, But my book was on submission with her for two years before it was on submission for another Monica don't get mad if I get the dates wrong um year to year and a half with Monica and so all told you know I was rejected I think 72 times wow before I found my editor and my house um, and so this kind of like echoes what I say to like a lot of people is that so much of publishing, which again, is very separate from the writing, but so much of publishing is about stamina, um, you know, because they're there, because I think it's, we need to kind of like think beyond the binary of either you're celebrated, either you're a wonder, a wonder kid whose debut book blows up and goes on the bestseller list or Mm -hmm. you're a loser that's not true and the same too with pub with you know trying to find your editor is that it can feel as though oh the industry doesn't like me you know it can feel as though the industry has no space for my story the industry isn't willing to take a chance on me but you have to realize that for me each of those 70 72 no's were just people there were 72 people who, in my opinion, made the wrong call. However, <laughs> right? Um, and there are many, many editors at many, many houses. Don't, again, be kind of small in your own thinking and focusing only on these five. Yeah. Yeah, that is such good advice. I mean, when I, Day Beautiful is me, just one person. And when I'm putting together like my best of list, it really is Adam's favorite reads, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. And I don't mm-hmm. call it that because it's not sexy. It's Day Beautiful's best books, yeah, yeah, debut yeah, books, yeah, yeah. right? But I'm always thinking, God, like this person's book I really loved and admired, but like I, I can't just make a list of a hundred books, like every book I read. And it's mm-hmm. like, I get in my head, but then I, that, that thing, it's like, I'm just one guy on the internet. Yeah. Like I, I don't matter unless I do matter. Like it, yeah. it's, 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 it's not up to me to decide. It's up to the, yeah. each reader and each writer to decide yeah. if they care or not, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take your advice from the opposite perspective. Um, so it sells to catapults. Um, yes. to who's Alicia. been putting a really great, yes, yes. Uh, they've been putting a great things. Um, yeah. What was... Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna ask, what was that process like with Alicia? What did she provide? What did what needed tweaking? Yeah, um, I mean, the one thing I will say is that by the by the time that Ali- that that we reached a point that Alicia became involved, novel had been written and rewritten 
and rewritten yeah. and then written again and then rewritten. So um, it it was almost to its final form. Um, and so the kind of editorial process with her was such a joy. I mean, I don't know if she was just trying to make me feel good, but like I was not going to question it. I was like, keep us, let's keep these compliments going, which is that in the sense that like she just, she really saw my novel, you know? And I think what's more important is that she took the time to see my novel. If there was ever anything that she was confused about, rather than being like, I'm confused, change this, she would come to it with a question, with a question, right? So that then we could have a dialogue versus it being a kind of like didactic one-way street. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really appreciated, right? Because then that signals to me that she understands the kind of like double-edged sword that is publishing, which is that you're a writer committed to art while also we're trying to make a product. Yeah. Um, and so in that editorial process, it was like, how can we make this art as artful as it can be so that it is easier for the publicity and the marketing teams to then kind of push it on its own terms? Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, it was a very generative and generous process. Uh, she's very gentle, but not a pushover. She, if if she thinks something is not working, y- you can try to override her. She'll still just be like, mm-hmm. "I have ten more questions for you until you get it." Yeah. Uh. And so it was a it was a lovely process. It was. Oh, that's, that's radical. I love to hear more about like the behind the scenes like that. Um, Christina, thanks so much for your time. I'm going to ask one or two more questions. Who knows? I always say that, then I ramble. What? So it's the end of 2023 when we're reading, we're, we're doing this. It comes out when uh, right after your book's publica- published. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was 2023? What have you been vibing on? Books, movies, art? What? What do you? What was? What made your year? Yeah, let's see what I mean. This was a quite a roller coaster of a year for me for personal reasons that I'm not gonna sure. go into because out of respect of my private self. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I would say that I this is gonna sound terrible after my long discussion of art and artfulness. I've been vibing on like syndicated TV reruns. Yes. I recently discovered or rediscovered Bones. Do you remember the show <laughs> yeah, Bones? I know Bones. Yeah, Yo. yeah. It's one of my mom's favorite shows. I love it. I yeah. love it because you know exactly what's going to happen every single time. Yes, yes. So, um, but it's also like from a time that's like just before now. So mm-hmm. it doesn't yet feel like the apocalypse. Yeah. Um which is comforting, but like, oh, back in 2008, our worries were so much smaller then. That's wow. lovely. Um, uh, I've also been vibing on, like I said, my my partner is also a writer, you know, so I've been, we've both been um, kind of, we have a wonderful um, uh, artistic relationship in the sense that we write very different things but we have great respect for what the other person does. And we often draw inspiration from things that are like that. Mm -hmm. So her work is much more um, plot driven than mine, 
right? She's very interested in character, but she's very interested in how history, how the happenings, like how they act upon character. Mm, Whereas mm. I'm much more character driven and now I'm interested in how characters affect history. Um, so, you know, as I was like doing all of my, you know, first pass and then my edits, um, and she was kind of going through the same process as well. There's a lot of given, given, given take there. Um, what else have I been vibing on? Uh, I was really into, um, Denzel Washington's rendition of, uh, Oh, it just left my brain. I can see the still in my head. Shakespeare made it into into a movie. It's in black and uh, white. Yeah, is it? Um, well, I don't even. I'm blanking. I'm for Much some reason I no. want to say King Lear, but I don't think that's true. Anyway, the Shakespearean movie this year that had Denzel in it that everyone who listens to this is going to know exactly what it is. Yes, and we'll go. Wow, Christina, how do you not know that? And I'll be like, you're right. It was it's cast? Adam's fault because I got stage fault. fright. Um, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so a lot of kind of like art movies. I watched, um, what's it called? May, December. Oh, yeah, yeah, Have yeah. Have you seen it? Not yet. Uh, it is wild. I want to check Please it out. Please see it. Tweet at me. I'll tweet oh, back. You know I will, and yeah. We'll, and we'll, it and is, everyone else out there, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is Natalie Portman at her weirdest, which is actually Ooh, like that's a great sell. Yeah, yeah, which is actually kind of lovely to see. Definitely. Um. So yeah. So a mixture of like really soothing shows from the two thousands. Yeah. And then kind of more kind of like arty and art and artful movies um, that came out this year. Because mm-hmm. so much of my kind of writing world got like sucked up by doing edits and then yeah. first pass, <clears throat> second, second pass. And then just like the anxiety of publication. Like I thought I would be happy. Like I thought yeah. after all these years of everything, I would get here and I would just like breathe a sigh of relief and just be happy. Uh, listener, I am not. Christina <laughs> Cook is not happy. Nowhere near. I'm yeah. very distressed yes well after publication maybe who knows everything will be less stressful i hope i hope what i did tell monica i was like please do not give me a um what's that tracking software we can see how many copies book scan yeah i was like i don't want i don't want to know i don't want to know don't give me don't give me an account i do not (laughs) i don't want to know because it i will drive myself insane Thank you so much for Christina joining the Day Beautiful podcast to discuss about all things from peanut butter and grapes. I guess not at the same time, but maybe we'll try it to her debut novel, especially shouting out her agents and publishers and publicists and everyone behind the scenes. That is what Day Beautiful is all about in addition to debut journey. You can find Christina at ChristinaJCook.com, on Twitter at ChristinaJCook, and Instagram is a little more tricky. It's Christina.J.Cook. And you can find me, Adam, at BitCabbage on all social media. You can follow DayBeautiful at DayBeautiful.net and on all social media at DayBeautiful. And as always, I'm Adam. This is DayBeautiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.